What is going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad podcast. My name is Chad, and this week we were joined by Carly and Sean Quigley, who make up two halves of the whole of Bold as Lions. I've been dreaming of a place where the lights are always on. And thought without a worry that just goes on, on. So, Bold as Lions is a two piece alternative pop band. And they're super awesome. Just straight up. Like everyone else I interview, everyone's awesome. But it was really, really cool getting to talk to Carly and Sean because they've got so many cool ideas and they're just so creative and they they expand beyond just the music. They they really are are diving deep into important topics and, and are handling the music in such a way that allows them to to really touch other people. I know that sounds you know a little bit corny, but man, it's really cool what they've done to to really help inspire and and give hope to to just a rising generation as well as just anyone who listens to their music. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear their story. And before we jump in, I do want to really quickly have you go on over to their social media, over to their uh, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, follow them, like them, and you know save the CD, listen to it. They've also got a visual album on YouTube that you should check out, and it would be super awesome for you guys. I, I think you'd love it. So, also while you're at it, you know you can swing on over to Beyond Rad. Uh, we'll be able to, uh, you know, you can send me some messages, let me know what you're thinking, and and I'd love to hear from you. But without further ado, let's just jump right on in. Thank you guys so much for joining me on the on the podcast. I really appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Heck yeah. So I. Uh, I literally just randomly, I think it was an ad on Facebook. I, I actually ads on Facebook work really well on me. <laughs> like I, I, I saw, like I see, you know, a bunch of like quick little video ones that are just playing and stuff. And, uh, and you guys just came up and I was like, yo, this is like image and heap and lights and like some of my favorite like styles meshed and I was it's it's a style I haven't listened to in a really long time and so I was like man this is really cool so literally That's, that that same day I reached out to you guys <laughs> awesome man did you say lights yeah the canadian? yeah the canadian yeah awesome yeah so, a few times yeah because yeah, back in the day like her uh well I don't I don't know if it was like a self-titled ep it was like she had like february air on it it was like one of her first EPs that she released um, yeah. had that vibe to it. You know, she's changed a bit over time, which she's still phenomenal, but she's changed a bit. But that yeah. original sound that she had is kind of what like what attracted me to your guys' sound. I was like, oh, this is this is exactly like it's just a fun, like really just enjoyable thing to listen to. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, That's very, very kind. Yeah. So so you guys are a married duo, right? Yeah. That's so cool. So how long have you guys been making music? Oh man, I've been, I've been making music like my whole life. It's kind of just always been a thing for me. Um, and, and Carly too. Yeah. And then we've been a band since 2014. Oh, okay. A long yeah. time. Six years. So being a band, were you guys married prior? Did you get married after starting the band or what, what happened? Yeah, there? We actually, it actually happened like, right around the same time like we were in a relationship and um like i think we from from the like when we actually got married to when our first record came out was like pretty much back to back so we were planning a wedding and recording a record like at the same time wow 
yeah. think we got married like a month after our album came out. Yeah, so something it was like, like that. Dang. That's yeah, very they very much like paralleled each other. Yeah. That's cool. So so how did you guys I mean, now it's gonna be like a like a date talk, right? Like I'm imagining mm-hmm. though, like you guys met and hit it off in obviously two separate portions of life, right? There was the the music side, but then obviously um being attracted to one another and and just getting to to fall in love with one another. But how did yeah. you guys get like how did you meet and how did it all start? Yeah, so we actually met at church, man. And, oh nice. Uh, like so we met at church through family and and friends there and then um yeah like dated and we kind of like we kind of like went our separate ways like we met really really young so there was a period like towards the end of the teen years in adulthood where we kind of like parted ways and like Carly she moved to Australia and did like oh dang like she did like college out there and then I was traveling doing music stuff and then when we kind of came back to Winnipeg our home it just sort of made sense. Like we had both kind of done our own things, you know, seen the world. And then when we came back together, it just, it worked, you know, like it just really, it really made sense. I think a lot of people, they don't get the opportunity to see the world or to, to really like spread their wings and fly on their own until life. Like we had that opportunity early, early in life. So I think that like, it's a really beautiful thing. Heck yeah, man. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Cause it, it's kind of funny. I, uh, I've got a similar story to y'all cause I met my wife at church as a teenager, you know, we we became best friends. Right. And I went off and did a, uh, a church service mission for two years. I was gone for two years, dedicated my time to it and really was like the only contact I had with like the normal world was like letters, like not even like a lot of emails. I was like handwriting letters, like this is, awesome. Yeah, it was like it was so weird because it's like 2009 to 2011. It's not like it was like super long time ago. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so, you know, everything in sim- similar thing to what you guys are saying. And I think it's I think it's super valuable because now obviously you guys are there's there's a lot that comes out of it now. Right. Between the chemistry that you have making the music, it's it's going to be better. You're going to help each other. And, and because of those experiences, you guys are are more of like a um a healthy fit right yeah that's so cool. for sure that's so awesome so i guess you know having met what made you guys choose to to start making music together as opposed to like doing separate projects or whatnot yeah so i um like i've been a producer like my whole life i think i've been i mean i've been i think i've been producing like professionally for like 10 years now nice. So I kind of cut my teeth as a teenager on like tape machines, like oh, literal machines, recording and learning and, and doing whatever. And then, um, so when Carly came back from Australia, it was kind of like, I was, I was actually in the position of producing a record for her, like as a solo project. Oh, cool. Okay. And then getting involved with kind of like the songwriting or arranging, we, saying like a chorus together and it just kind of like sparked something where it we're felt like, like magic it was kind of like awesome. the moment where like kind of went we should be a duet like we should yeah. do this like that's so cool yeah we're so like why are we doing two separate things when yeah it just seems to work together so yeah, yeah it wasn't like we thought about it it wasn't no. like we we're like oh man this would be such a good idea we should try it 
we just kind of were going in a different direction and then it just changed. It was yeah. like, oh no, this this makes way more sense. Man, that's so rad because that's I, I feel like, you know, the best things come from kind of that uh, that little click, right? Just like the spontaneity of it. Like, so did that solo stuff, did you still make the solo stuff and then convert or did that stuff become Bold as Lions? It became Bold as Lions. Okay. Like that, that actual song that I that we we're talking about ended up on our first record. And nice. like all the solo stuff that I was doing, I don't know if we used any of it. Like we might have recycled some lyrics from it here and there but i think it just kind of we just had the switch and then we started our band right away and started working on our first record together and our sounds were very different so it didn't really it didn't really make sense to like do my solo stuff together or do his yeah. solo stuff together. we we kind of just uh collaborated and yeah it never that record never happened the solo project that i was going to do so yeah. yeah dang well i mean it's it's kind of like for the best, but also it's like what could have been, you know, it's, it's cool though. Cause like the fact that both of you were working on, on things separately and then came together. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, as, as you started making music, um, how did you mesh those styles? Was it a natural thing once again, or was it like kind of a learning process to understand how the other works and whatnot? I think it's a huge learning process. I think, um, when you collaborate with people um, for the first time, it takes a lot of trust and it takes a lot of like relational growing, you know, like, like you can't just say to someone that idea sucks and expect it to not hurt their feelings. But now I can understand can, that <laughs> now we can do that. You know, yeah. six years later, it can be like, you know, I just, I just don't think that idea is going to fly. Yeah. And it can be like, well, I disagree with you or whatever. But in the, in the beginning, it was like a huge learning curve for yeah. sure to like build that trust and that stuff. Like, I feel like, I mean, I don't know which ad or song specifically you heard, but I feel like we didn't even really flesh out what our sound was until this last album. Yeah. So like one of the songs that you would have heard and it, it takes time. Like it takes a lot, a lot of time. Like and the methods are always changing and shifting yeah. too. Like I think when we first started our our first record, um, Sean actually like produced, wrote and produced all the music first, and so okay. he had this full body of work. Yeah. And then I I wrote melodies and lyrics to it okay. for most. And so it was kind of a a new. It was a weird new way of doing it. And then I think with That's our it. latest album, like a lot of it started with a melody that I wrote. And so um, it was actually kind of like the opposite process. Yeah. And I think we finally kind of found what our sound was going to be. So, okay. yeah, I think it's years and years of learning and just doing it and getting better at it. And yeah, now it feels like we finally kind of have arrived at where we want to be. Yeah. Which, which is exciting because like I grew up listening to like heavier music. So I don't know like what you were into growing up, but I grew up on bands like Under Oath, like uh -huh. Slipknot, like Norma Jean um like wolves at the gate okay, um yeah i grew up on like heavier heavier lincoln park like lincoln park obviously being like the most mainstream like yeah 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 like that was my thing right and i think even a band like lincoln park i mean their first record hybrid theory was like a smash hit yeah but they were another band 
hybrid theory for like five years before they became Lincoln Park, signed a deal and made that explosive record, right? So yep. I feel like for us, like we're finally in a place now where I'm like, oh, like we've kind of figured out what we are. The growing pains yeah. are like, I don't want to say behind us because you're always growing, but like sure. that initial, that initial, like cut your teeth, get on the road, play shows, figure out what you're doing. Season, I think is kind of closed for us, which is like really exciting. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. I, I imagine that, you know, cause you know, those bands you mentioned, like even wolves at the gate, I think they've got a new album coming out and I have pre-saved the songs. Cause I still like, I, yeah. I still enjoy the music, but it's, it's one of those things as I've grown, I've, I've, expanded the amount of music I listen, the types of music I listen to and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, it's totally. it's totally true. Like, you know, when you guys are combining these different styles and combining these different things, the, the question that comes to my mind and you kind of, you kind of alluded to it, you may have already um, answered it, but as I was listening, the thing that, that the question that I have is, you know, what's the difference between the producer musician relationship versus what you guys have now? Like, why is that different than, than what it was when you were initially producing? Hmm. so a little bit of backstory like i had um like a bit of a solo career like in my teenage years okay so i had like my own solo record i had like a song go viral and had like like a million youtube views in like 30 days like three million four million dang And, and i kind of like was in my own world in a lot of ways and I think at the very beginning, like I had my own way of doing things, you know, I had like cut my teeth and doing my own thing and trying to figure that out. And then when bold as lions was born, like it was no longer about me. Like it was a, it was a, it was a duet. And, and Carly is the primary songwriter on 98% of the stuff. Like she's writing the main melodies and lyrics and stuff. Yeah. Project. So there was definitely like a, a switch. There was an aha moment after the first record, maybe like two years into that being our content that we play live where it was like a light bulb, like a light switch went on in my head where I was like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm supposed to be the backbone for like her vision and her art. And so that's, very much how we work now. Like I very rarely will I have a song idea that I bring to the table. Um, it's mostly Carly going, Hey, this is a voice note that I recorded today. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And I go, yeah, like I really think there's something there and we run with it. So, and then you kind of take it and like bring the idea to life with the yeah. production and we're like a two, two person team a lot of the time. So yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, usually it's like, and I, I get an idea and then he takes it and runs with it and it just becomes this really cool thing. But yeah, before it was kind of like the opposite, like you would write and then I would write on, write to it or write onto it. But then I think as you get, gain more confidence as a songwriter and kind of have more of a vision of what you actually want, which for me, like when we started, I, I didn't have the experience that he did. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think as I've kind of grown into songwriting being my profession and gaining confidence in that I think it was a lot easier for me to go actually like this is how I think it should be or or stick up for my ideas more and and kind of like 
go back and forth until we kind of landed on what it actually should be and what our and our sound kind of naturally came to what it is now. Yeah, that's cool. I like that because because you know it sounds to me like you guys, you know, you took every opportunity to learn, which I think is is really really helpful. And and you said you finally have kind of started hitting your stride, you know, with hmm. this with this most recent album, you feel like things are really starting to to fall into place. So like I know I know you guys have said like what has changed, but can you explain to me like why it changed, like why things evolved? Was it just like you you decided to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit more willing to compromise or was it just kind of um the the way that everything naturally flowed it was just hey you know it's this is the best way to do it and it just started working what what was it that like actually caused this that all of these awesome changes to happen to make it where you are hitting your stride i think it's just time i think it's just time and effort and dedication to improving you know like yeah if every step of the way you're thinking how can we do this better how can we you know, what, like what can be improved and, and look back at what you just did and and evaluate and go like, what are the great things about this, but what are the huge flaws in this and actually review it and actually try and move forward and be objective with it. Right. Yeah. And be objective and ask other people, you know? Yeah. Okay. Also your taste changes as you get older and like the music that you enjoy listening to changes and as artists, like, I don't want to stay the same. I always want to be changing because, you know, what I'm listening to is always changing. And, sure. and we noticed too, like we tour a lot. That's we're like, we're a big touring band. Like that's yeah. a lot, of, a huge part of what we do. And we found like with our last record, I think one of the songs that was the most fun to play was more like upbeat and like people will get dancing. And, and we noticed like, Oh, people are like more engaged in this song than they are. I think being more observational and so yeah. in songs. And I think, when we started writing new music, we really wanted to be like fun and to be upbeat and to have people feel like they could like engage with it in a, in a live show setting. Yeah. And that kind of morphed too to our latest record. Like a lot of the songs like you can dance around to, or they have um, more of an upbeat feel. Even if the, the lyrics are heavy or the topic is heavy, mm-hmm. it's like some of the songs are still, they feel light and, I think that that has been a reason why too we started to shift because it was really fun to play those upbeat dance songs yeah, live. Yeah. Why wouldn't you write more songs that you'd like to listen to? So yeah, That's- and, and and I think too like as opportunity grows, like you kind of yeah you kind of foresee like maybe where these songs will be performed. You know, like yeah. Does that make sense? Like when yeah, you're well, kind of you guys, you guys have kind of you've, you've started evolving into who you are as a band, right? Like you started actually determining what kind of band you are. Like you said, you're a touring band, you're a band that plays these live shows. So now you're starting to think through the live performance rather than just the production in studio, right? Like that, that shift in mindset is going to impact how you write. Yeah. Like, like thinking about a song going, what is like, how is this song going to go when we're playing in a stadium with 5,000 people in it and I'm on a live drum set. Yeah. You know, how is it going to work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel like- what does it feel like? Like, is there yeah. energy there? Does it convey what we want to convey, you know, because like our music is, our music is interesting and our live performances are interesting too. Like they're, to be honest, like they're tailored for larger audiences and tailored for larger venues. Like 
if if you were to put our band in like a bar with a hundred people, it would be confusing. I think, like, I think <laughs> yeah. it, would be, it would be, it would be confusing. Like seeing pop in that world is, is confusing because we very much design our stuff around like bigger festival shows or yeah. like other Canadian touring stuff like we do here or like, you know, we, like we still do every, every event under the sun. One day we're playing a big venue. The next day we're in a small town yeah. with 80 kids, you know, like we still do that all the time, but we like go hard for those 80 kids. And yeah, for sure. And like we give them the, you know, yeah. what, what their $20 ticket is worth, you Heck know, yeah. that matters to us a lot. Yeah. That's super cool. I love, I love to hear this stuff. Cause like, it, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the coolest things to me to see how creative minds think. Cause you know, regardless of, of what kind of creator someone is, there's, there's, you know, the analytic side of, of what a creator does is pretty phenomenal to me because it's more, it's more understanding your audience. And it's, it's, it's almost a level of empathy that a lot of people may not really understand where you guys understand obviously what brings you happiness and what makes you happy, but it also, you also are understanding where your, your audience is coming from and what they're expecting out of you. And, and do you ever find conflict between those two things when you're writing or when you're producing like this, this conflict between what people are expecting out of you and what you guys, where you guys are kind of naturally leaning? Is there, is there ever kind of like a, a void there? Hmm. That's a great question. That's a great question. I personally don't feel like th- that I that I feel that too much because I I feel like lyrically I always just kind of write what I want to write. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being independent, like I'm never too concerned about if people are going to necessarily like like what I have to say. But that being said, like there was a song on our last record that I was like kind of nervous about putting out and you, you feel you wonder like what people are going to think. And yeah, but for the most part, I don't find too much of attention there. Okay. You? No, I think like having having a, a little bit of success at a young age, like like have like in 2011, having three million YouTube views was a big deal. Yeah, in 2011. Oh, big time! Yeah, that was that was before YouTube really was was massively yeah, like, hitting its stride like it is now. Yeah, like a million views today is not that big a deal. In 2011, that was a big big deal. Yeah, and so. I would say like after learning all of the life lessons that come along with that, um, I just so don't care about numbers or about like streaming numbers or anything like that. Like that is not my motivation ever. It's like, I want to write and produce just what naturally comes out of me. And I like, Mm -hmm. and if, and if it resonates with people, great. If it doesn't resonate with people, great. Like I, <laughs> I like I I make what I I make music because I have to because it's who I am. It's what I do. Yeah. I I create things. That's that's what I do. That's what I love to do every single day for the rest of my life, you know? And Yeah. And I I think like even this interview that we're doing right now this podcast like it's so exciting to me. to hear like you're in utah we're in winnipeg you saw an ad and clicked on it Uh (laughs) uh-huh 
And then Facebook billed me 11 cents because you clicked on it. Yeah. Sorry. And, <laughs> and, and now we're talking about the, the art. Like it reached the person that I wanted it to reach. Yeah. That is so cool. It like is. That is, so, that is so cool. Like imagine the logistics of us bringing our whole crew and our whole show out to Utah as an opening act for another band that you paid to see. And that be your first ex- exposure to us. Like yeah. the world isn't like that anymore. No, it's and not. And that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause now, and, and obviously like Utah to, you know, Utah to Winnipeg's not that far in, in relation yeah. to a lot of others. But the fact is like, it's not just Utah, right? Like you're, you're getting countries, uh, you know, you know, out in the UK, I'm sure you've got a lot of listeners in the UK and you've got a lot of listeners probably in Australia and probably Asian countries as well. Japan, maybe, I don't know, but, but like, it's not just, you know, the U S and Canada, it's, it's the spread that's, that's capable. And now, like you said, you know, it doesn't have to be in this kind of very specific situation where you put in all of this money and time to maybe get a new fan at a show that they may show up on time to actually see you perform because that's, yeah. that's a big problem too. Like a lot of opening bands just kind of get forgotten because either someone doesn't show up on time or they're out and getting concessions or, whatever, you know, they're eating or they're, pl- they're hanging out and talking with people. And the, that yeah. opening band just kind of gets neglected, which is unfortunate because it costs a ton of money for them to be the opening band. It, people don't think yeah. about that. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and the, and some of the restrictions too, right? Like, yeah, you better, you better believe like the act after you and the act after that is putting a cap on how much production you can have, how much lighting yeah. you can have, how much, how loud your set can be. Cause they want to, they want to be wanting up, one upping each other as it yeah, goes and, on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and rightfully so. I mean, sure. like main act is the biggest draw, right? So like you should be thankful just to be on the stage with them, you know, but like things are different now and it's yeah. really, really, really cool. It is it's really cool. Yeah, man, that's so awesome. And one thing that I that I, um, you know, as I as I reached out to you guys, obviously, I was looking at, at like all your posts and kind of you as a band. And one of yeah. the things that I think is really rad that you guys do is is your focus, kind of your emphasis as a band. Obviously, your hat says, you know, peace in the chaos. But it's that what was it? The hope that that hope tour. What was that? Hope dealer. Yeah. Hope dealer. I thought that was so clever, right? Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's so, so what was it that like, is it kind of the church roots that, that motivated you guys or what was it that, that made you focus so heavily on, on more positive messages and more uplifting stuff as opposed to, you know, just chasing the money. Yeah. We care about people, man. Yeah. We we really, we really believe what we say and that tour specifically, like it started, it was different when we first started it. We did a tour a um, few years back um, in support of World Vision. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of World Vision, but it's a humanitarian organization. Okay. Uh, and so we would do this tour in, in public schools. Um, and the first tour was like pretty small, but um, we would talk about like caring about people on the other side of the world, people who are living in global poverty and how, what we can do to, you know, help those people and, ha- and initiatives we can do and, and just getting students to care basically. Yeah. And we did that for two years. And then we found like, as the show morphed and as we continued to, cause every show, it gets a little bit different, even if it's the same set every day, like yeah. what you're 
singing because it's like a speaking and music tour that we did. And we noticed that the kids resonated more with like when I would share my own personal struggles with anxiety. And then after the show, the kids would come and it'd be like an hour long concert. And they would talk to me about the four minutes I touched on anxiety. And that'd be like the thing that they remembered and took from it. Magical. Yeah. So as that started happening, we started to morph and go, hey, like, how can we ask people to care about other people when they don't even believe that they themselves have value as a human being? And so we started to morph and talk more about, you know, be more in the mental health uh, realm and talk about depression, anxiety and suicide and the hard things. And our tour then shifted and it became the Hope Dealer Tour, which is um, a tour that we've done for two years and we would have been doing now if it wasn't for good. But um, and we, we get to share that message with people that says, you know, you're not alone. Like your life has value. You have purpose. And I think a lot of that definitely streams from our personal faith and beliefs for sure. But it's like, we really believe that. And we believe that if our music doesn't have, you know, a message, like it could be fun, but what's the point? Like we really like who has the opportunity to get in front of a stage every day. And especially when we do school tours, it's like, here's a microphone, here's 500 to 2000 kids. Mm -hmm. You have it for and like we don't take that lightly so we like to use that time um to kind of share hope and tell the kids that they matter and then have a really good time while we play music too so heck yeah yeah Yeah, like it wasn't like it wasn't like we threw the idea on a whiteboard because we came up with the idea and thought that's a great idea we should do that it was very much just being on on the road every day you know asking kids to care about kids in africa And then you just go every single day. The only feedback we're getting from these kids is like, yeah, they're the way that they relate to anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and thoughts of suicide and all this stuff. And dude, that's, that's, that's hard when you are, you're about to go on the stage to talk to kids about like doing a charity fundraiser for kids in Africa. When you know in your head, the last seven shows, the kids were depressed and didn't want to come to school. Yeah. You already know that what you're about to do doesn't freaking make any sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like yeah. eventually that just kind of like, it just kind of gnaws at you until eventually we went, we can't do this anymore. Like we need to, we need to talk about the stuff that we're seeing every single day. And that's when the shift happened when we're like, okay, like we're going to go on the road. We're going to do these shows and we're going to talk about the meaning behind our songs because we've been through that stuff. We've been through a lot of hard things in our life and it reflects through the music. And if we can dissect that a little bit and give someone like a glimmer of hope, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the whole purpose why we do it. That's why we don't care about I mean, don't get me wrong, like reaching millions of people on Spotify would be amazing because they would hear a message of hope. But that's not why we do it. Like when we go on the road and like Carr said, every single day we get the opportunity to have like the education system go literally, here's a thousand kids and a microphone for an hour. Say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. What the heck are we going to do and what the heck are we going to say? Because I mean, it's. It's crazy to say, but like the statistics are going to tell you that like there's someone in that audience who is depressed, who is Mm -hmm. thinking about suicide, who is being abused at home, who doesn't have close relations with anyone. Like Mm -hmm. there's kids, there's kids we meet that literally come up to us after a show 
and say, like, if we say something like you're not alone, like your life has value, like you matter. There's kids that will come up and give us a hug and say, no one's ever told me that. And they'll be crying. It's emotional, but it's like, it's just the thing that we really care about. Like, it's not like we decided we're going to write music that tells people, well, I guess we kind of did decide we're going to write music that tells people, but yeah. It's the most authentic version of what we could write about, I think, because at the end of the day, like if we wrote about just getting money and going to the club, like it's just, <laughs> it wouldn't be who we are as people. And, yeah. and well, we've been through a lot of hard things and in turn, that's just kind of seeped into our writing. And that's kind of how we can be the most raw, real version of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I think it's cool too, though, that you guys, you know, cause one of the things that I've I've always seen, like one of my favorite musicians of all time is Stephen Christian. He's the lead singer of Anne Berlin. I'm sure you, you listened to Anne Berlin back in the day, but yep. uh, um, but he's one of my favorites. And uh, he made a solo album. It was, you know, it was very religious based. And I was like, man, this is so cool. But one of the things that that I always have a problem with a lot of times is, is you know, when people are trying to, to kind of cross this void between pop music, pop culture music and and you know, this hopeful message or like a uh, message of, of value or, or even just, you know, message of, of religion, whatever the message is, that's trying to bring positivity and hope into their life. It kind of mm-hmm. starts becoming cliche, but I think it's really cool because, because it is so authentically you, like your music still feels authentic. It still feels like enjoyable pop music. So if you didn't listen to the lyrics, you're still having fun, but it's right. also, it's, it's kind of, it's it's allowing that bridge to be gap, you know, that gap to be bridged, right? Like allowing you to to feel the hopeful message, but also have the the fun music. So you know, as you guys are are doing a show, um, you said it's it's kind of a a talking and performance show. Um, you know, when you guys are are up there and and in front of these these kids, what are some of the things that like that you are most focused on when it like is it is it like song then talk about that song or is it like talk 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 and then perform how's how's it kind of formatted yeah so i'm a huge nerd and i love (laughs) i love technology and i love experience and like multimedia is my jam so yeah like creating creating a 60 minute experience where the second someone walks in the door is when the experience starts for me what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Till the second they walk out the door. So our whole show is very much like, I would describe it as kind of, maybe not a wedge, but there is an arc where I think we, we come out the gates with a big, loud, aggressive pop song. Yeah. To people just go, okay, this is for real. You know? Yeah. We, we, we turn up with a big video wall, big PA, live drums. We hit them right in the face and we go, this is, this is who we are. Like we're bold. What's up? <laughs> but then, the, the, but then we start to work the show into like this pinnacle moment before um, the song, you're not alone. And for us, everything else is leading up to this moment. Like yeah. I wouldn't, if, if playing that first big energetic song didn't have a purpose to try and, you know, get that person at the back. That's like this, like you think you're so cool to kind of just go, honestly, that was all right. You know, like uh, that was, that was all right. 
like there's a purpose behind what we're doing and how we're trying to break down barriers and break down walls. We don't want to seem larger than life or seem like rock stars. We want to seem like real people with real stories. Yeah. And, and so that by the time that they, we arrive at that moment in the show where it's like, you matter. We're here to tell you that you matter. No one's ever told you that. We're here to tell you that. As many ears are open and to it as possible. Drop, like at that moment in the show. And, and a thousand like, kids, dead silent. Man. And it's not like that at the beginning, right? The beginning, kids are talking. They don't really know what's up yet. Especially yeah. Specifically with the Hope Dealer Tour show. Yeah. Because like a regular evening concert for us wouldn't look be in that same format. It wouldn't be like yeah. speaking, talking, speaking, talking. But even within that format, like I think we've kind of, we've really gotten into our groove like i think we it's like second nature at this point because we've done this tour for so many dates now that it's like it used to be like okay now we're gonna talk to you guys and now we're gonna perform but and they didn't feel like they were cohesive at first but now the speaking is really like worked into like what the story of the song is and like telling people why we wrote this song and yet it's still like sean said like goes with the format of the show and so now it feels like a concert where we're talking in that concert doesn't feel like a presentation or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it took us time to kind of get there and figure out what that looks like and, and have it make sense, I guess. Yeah. Like you got, you got to walk out on a stage in front of a thousand people and go, that just didn't land. <laughs> and that just didn't land. You got to do that a few times Yeah. to figure out what, what kind of does, yeah. you know, like, just gotta you just gotta go out and do it and we we did and and even now like we definitely don't have it all figured out but we um we kind of know what where, where the starting point is at least yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i just it's it's really cool because you know um like one of the things that uh that may you know i'm curious about now just because of of the focus that you've had so heavily as a band being in that live performance setting, being in those, in those, um, situations in the schools and whatnot, what do you, what are you guys doing? Like, how are you adapting to what COVID has, has, you know, obviously it's, it's uprooted your entire, your entire base, everything that you, that you have been doing and and your whole trajectory, everything was uprooted. So how have you guys been adjusting to that? Yeah. Um, we, we have like, I don't want to make this political, but we have a really good government, in my opinion, who's really looking after our people here. So though we've been in and out of lockdowns and live shows being canceled and stuff like there's there's a lot of hard stuff going on. But like people are being taken care of here and there's been a lot of support. There's yeah. a lot of support. There's a lot of you see a lot of people rallying together and and looking out for each other. And, and for us, like, sure, we can't be on the road right now, but like we see the community online. We see the community um, even just locally here, like supporting like the local businesses and stuff like that. Like we see that love and we see that support. So we've totally just kind of shifted and, and we decided to like, we're going to make 13 music videos, you know, like we're going to make an entire visual album Nice to our album because that's, that's, that's the one thing that we can do right now. Yeah, because I don't know how I don't know what things are like exactly where you live, but like to give a little context here in Winnipeg where we are, like schools were closed all of last year. 
Um, so it was all homeschooling or online schooling, like for all kids. And then at this point right now that we're in, like, you can't go to uh, like Walmart doesn't sell anything that's not essential. So we have like plastic wrap on every. <laughs> yeah. So it's literally yeah. like everything's closed. We're all in total lockdown. I don't even think we can leave our province. So like, no. it not only is our like USA Canada border closed, but like we can't go like side to side. And oh, so okay. it's like pretty like, like it is lockdown extreme. Yeah. And we couldn't even like leave the province to go do a video somewhere else, which is something we wouldn't even think twice about doing before. So that obviously had its own set of challenges. But yeah, we just decided, you know, we can't tour, which is, you know, a big part of what we do. It's a large part of how we, you know, continue to operate as well. But the government is taking care of us. So while we're in this lockdown, let's take this, let's use this as an opportunity to do something that we've always wanted to do, which would be create a visual album. Our album at that point was maybe six months old. So it was like really fresh. And we had always wanted to do that already. So we mm -hmm. just took that. We're like, okay, we're going to film 13 music videos, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Down. And we've been putting them out like once every week or two weeks for the last few months. But, um, yeah, it's just been an, a cool, we've, we're trying to take it and turn it into something positive. We're yeah. trying not to fit in it because I mean, there's phases. I feel like there's obviously at first there was the, Oh, this can't be good. And then there was the, you mourn for what was and what could be. And, you know, we had just put out a new album. The plan would have been to tour it. Mm -hmm. and, um, so there were sad days, but then there was like this point where we go, okay, this isn't going away anytime soon. So what are we going to do with the time that we have now? And so that turned into our visual album, which has been another way to reach people because we've got to put a face to the music and we've got to give like a new experience for people to listen to the songs and yeah. visualize what they look like and how they feel. And so I think it's been a really great opportunity for us to be able to do that and hasn't been any lesser than touring. It's been different. Yeah. But it hasn't been a lesser, way worse thing. Yeah. No. And it's just that ad adaptation, right? It's, it's, it's still, yeah. it's still working within your realm and your, your scope, obviously. So did you guys, did you guys, obviously with, I, I don't know what all the, the regulations and stuff are aside from what you just barely told me, but did you guys work with someone on that or was it just you two just making it happen? What was like kind of the process of, of making, you know, like, obviously there's, there's probably, you know, finding places close to home or at home making it yeah. taking what you were talking about, Sean, where you were like, you know, making this whole production, making it so there's, it, it just is cohesive. Um, but then also mm -hmm. maintaining safety standards. So how did you guys do all of that? Like what was kind of the, the battle that you were you were waging there? <laughs> yeah. So I shot, we both directed and I edited a hundred percent of it. That's awesome. So we just, yeah, we had one, there was maybe two days where we had an additional person on set um, when they were strict at that point that was allowed. Like at yeah. this point, you can't see anyone out who doesn't live in your house. So it's like, now it's like literally no one, but yeah. We, so we had a one day, we had another camera operator and we had a dancer in one of our videos. And that was when things were a little bit more yeah. uh, loose, I guess. But yeah, most part it was just the two of us, a lot of like getting creative you wouldn't know some of those videos were full on shot in our house. Like, yeah, like, like some of it, you know, like it looks like a super high end, like studio shot, but it's literally our living room converted into a super high <laughs> studio. So, you know what I mean? Like that's we're so literally cool. like just using some rental equipment and making, making videos, you know? Yeah. 
what is it when when life gives you lemons make lemonade right and it's like yeah, <laughs> it's it's take taking that that i think that's so cool because the for me one of the the coolest things about um about like really like this whole process has a change the way people think which i think is is really good for the world is like changing perspectives and i think you know when when your comforts get get kind of upended the, the obviously you know i'm there's there's zero part of me that that is happy about like the the outcomes in terms of sicknesses and death obviously but but i think in terms of in terms of like shifting our mindsets it helps us to kind of refocus you know what i mean and like, especially like if we, if we do what you guys did and, and take it as an opportunity to, to make it a learning experience, as opposed to make it a, a complain about everything experience. Like, I think there's some magic to be, to be had there because then you're not being a victim. You're, you're being kind of the leader of, of your outcomes. Right. Yeah, sure. man. Plus like. Like, so we've been doing this project for six years. We've been kicked in the teeth so many times, so many times, like so many times we've thought one thing and had it blow up or gone on one business venture and had the whole thing become a disaster. Like it's happened over and over and over again. When you try and build something or you try and make a career doing something that's really hard to make a career doing, like there's a lot of challenges along the way. Yeah. And. And COVID is big, but I, I don't think it's the biggest hurdle for us. I legitimately don't. Like, I think we've experienced a lot that's been really hard. And like, this is a bump in the road. But for us, it's like, we're more concerned about like, hey, how can we, how can we set the example of what to do and what actions to take so that we can look out for each other, like as a community, as a society. and like move forward together mm -hmm. not like how can bold as lions succeed the best in this time yeah like it's not about that like like we very much overcome a lot in our personal lives and our professional lives where it's like this is a challenge don't get me wrong but it's not the biggest one and for us it's like this is a speed bump and and yeah i think we're just more interested in focusing on what we can do over what we can't do. Yeah. And I think one thing we can do is to use our influence to say, like, love each other, mm -hmm. take care of each other. Yeah. You know, community matters. Like let's look out for one another and let's try and just try and make the best of this situation because it's not going away. And the only way it's going away is if we all look out for each other. Yeah, exactly. And listen and understand and, you know, try and learn, you know, for sure. See, I think yeah. that's a, I think that's a healthy perspective to have because like, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've got, I've got two little kids, I've got two sons and I'm like, one of the biggest things that I want to teach them is it's like life doesn't dictate anything for you, regardless of what happens to you, you're in control of what you do about it. And it's like, it's, this is a, <laughs> it's a really cool opportunity, like, especially with, with the message that you guys have and the, the purpose, like, you know, like your mission statement, you know, quote unquote, if you're looking for a corny term, you know, it's like, that's the, the business term of it is like your mission statement as a band. Like it's your purpose as a band. This is a great opportunity, especially as those kids are, you know, in a really hard place. Like it's really tough as a, you know, like 
I, I remember that social interaction is so important as a young kid developing. And so it's like really cool that you guys can now have something more to offer something more to, to just help them maintain perspective. And that's one of the things that I, I just want everyone who has influence. I just, I wish people who had more influence used it more to influence for good, as opposed to, to kind of encourage these kids to just look out for number one. You know what I mean? Cause that's kind of the attitude nowadays. Totally. Yeah, for sure, man. That's yeah. I think, I think like, I mean, like society is really divided right now in a lot of ways. And like, I think it is up, up to us to, to try and rectify that, to try and bring people together, you know, no matter what that looks like, I think that should be at the utmost. I think that should be at the forefront of what's important, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's people, man, like people are going through it. The amount of people that are losing jobs and have to uproot their whole lives. Like, man, that's, that's hard stuff. Like people are going, there's real, real outcomes from all this. It's not just, I think we become desensitized. You know, one yeah. of one of my favorite bands, um, they basically what was the lyric? We're traumatized for breakfast. It's true. We look at the news every day and we're just traumatized. Like yeah. we're desensitized. Like we don't know. It's almost like we don't know which way is up anymore. You can read a newspaper that says a thousand people died from COVID today, and you think that's not that much. There's 300 million. That's a thousand humans. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Like to think, to think that way, like it's almost like we've been led in this really strange direction. And so, yeah, I just think it's important that we, like, like you said, we use these opportunities to, though there's a lot of real, real fallout. And I, and I acknowledge that, um, to anyone who's listening, that's going through, you know, something really tough right now, like. I feel for you and, and I, and I see you and like, I've been there and we're, st- and we're in it. We're in the mud with you right mm-hmm. now. Not easy for us either to keep going, but we have to stay positive. For sure. You, you have to like, it's just, it's just, it's essential. Yep. It's just so that we, that we stay positive and that we look out for each other. That's the, in my opinion, that's just the only way that we're going to come out the other side of this thing better than when we went in yeah i mean it's like really it's like where else would you go right it's like if you don't stay positive where else do you what uh, what is the other path and it's not really it's not really a path at all it's kind of a cliff it's like it's there's not it's not like uh, you know this this i'm choosing one way or the other it's no it's i'm falling off a cliff or i'm i'm being led to happiness and and like life (laughs) it's like that's that's really the only choice yeah and it doesn't mean that we're like delusionally glass half full. Oh, know? of course not. not. Yeah. We recognize yeah, that it's okay. Yeah. Cause it's okay to be like, this is super not okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying, man. That's, that's super true. Yeah, man. That's, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. I, uh, I really, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of just kind of the message because it's, it's just something that the world needs more of. <laughs> it's just, we're in a, we're in a pretty sad time where, where people are looking out for only themselves. They, uh, you know, they don't really think a whole lot anymore. They, you know, keyboard warriors are out there being trolls all the time. And it's just like, man, it's a kind of a, 
like there's a lot of things you can find to to just bring you down. But I think it's really awesome when when like you said, you know, when we can just keep that perspective and maintain that positivity, the whole world is going to benefit from it. And uh, and so, I mean, for you guys, you know, just curious, obviously, um, the visual album has been a big focus of yours over the past few months. What's what's going on now with the band? What are some of the plans going forward as you guys, you know, as we continue to to kind of wade through this crazy situation? What's what's the plan going forward? Yeah, we're we're trying to figure out how to um, get our Hope Dealer tour, that content um, online and accessible to like school divisions and educators and things like that. I think if we can't be there in person, like the, the least we could do is, is offer um, what we, what we can do like over the internet. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that's like objective number one for us. It's definitely something that we're like, okay, let's figure out how we can do this in a way that makes sense. Because yeah. to, to be honest, like if educators are just so overwhelmed, they're trying to figure out how to even teach their curriculum, like maybe adding one thing would actually not even work. So we're still yeah. really figure that out. Um, but for us, it's just creating more music um, and digging into those online channels more than we ever have. I think we've been like pedal to the metal, get on the road, play in front of people for years. Yeah. And Oh, and now we're like, well, let's take all of that energy and time and effort and money and put it behind go pedal to the metal and let's reach people on the internet as mm -hmm. much as we can. Yeah. So totally. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I, uh, I always love to, to finish up my interviews, which is fun, random questions about you guys. Do you guys still have a few minutes? I yeah. love it. Yeah, Sweet. let's do it. All right. So the, this first question is, uh, is the same question every single time because I uh, have a problem called sugar. And so I, assume everyone else has a similar problem, <laughs> but most people don't. I just do. So the first question is, what is your favorite candy? Oh man. Reese's pieces. Heck yes. That's a good one. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups. Let's go. <laughs> I have a like major sweet tooth. So I feel like anything. <laughs> like, I, just I can relate to that. <laughs> love sour candy. I love chocolate. I love it all. Okay. <laughs> Man, I, I can definitely, I can definitely relate to the sugar tooth. I, uh, or the sweet tooth. I, I just eat way too much candy. You know, like I tell people like, I literally go to the gym so I can eat candy <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, you know, whenever I'm sitting, I, I'm a developer. So I'm like sitting at my desk all day and it's so bad. Cause it's like, you know, you get a little hungry, you get a little snacky. It's like, oh, I got some candy right here. And I yeah. just start snacking on it. It's, it's that's bad. amazing. That is. <laughs> All right. Second question. This one uh, is, you know, kind of shifting from where you guys are at. What is your favorite non music related hobby? Mm, theme parks. Oh, I but I love roller coasters and I love water slides. Like I would be on them every day, all day. If I could, I want to live at world. I want to live at Universal Studios. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do I have any non-music related hobbies? Oh, nice. What, what's your favorite thing to cook? Um. Oh, just pick one. 
I'll just go with soup in general. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this soup. is a great this is a great time of year for that. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. sure Sean's I'm sure Sean's stoked about it. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I <laughs> love soup. Yeah, soup and bread, that's my thing. Heck yeah, man. Related. Like what? Like running. I run a lot. You're oh, nice. I like running. You love uh like film. You love learning in general? I <laughs> If if learning is a hobby, then that is me. I am a wealth of useless knowledge. I, I love that. I am in that I same do. boat. I love like I I subscribe to Skillshare and to Pluralsight oh. and Udemy. I have like multiple and I just keep trying to learn things. And most of the time, I'm never going to use a lot of the knowledge that I learn. <laughs> But I yeah. love to know it. I like I tell my wife, one of my number one goals in my entire life is for every single person I talk to to know at least one thing about something they're interested in so I can carry on a conversation. That's like my number one goal in life. No, dude, I that's think that cool. I think that's awesome. Like I'm totally in the same boat. Like, do, do you know the YouTube channel Smarter Every Day? Heck yeah, dude. He's so cool. Destin's the best, Destin's bro. The best. <laughs> Yeah, Dustin knows what's up. He dude. really like, does, man. That's my jam. I I love that stuff. I'm always just trying to Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. I love talking to people and I and I love hearing people's stories of what they do or like why they do it or like the technicalities of their work. Like if someone's like, "Oh yeah, I'm a aerospace engineer." I'm like, "Okay, sit down." I'm <laughs> a hundred questions and i actually want to learn from you yeah like I, i'm not going to do anything with this i just i'm fascinated with things i don't understand and i like want to learn about them and i think so sean i i'm i don't want to be presumptive here but you, you, it seems like you you have similar qualities to me in that like it for me it's empathy that drives that for me like i hmm. want to empathize with someone so like i want to truly genuinely understand what they do so yeah. I can kind of, I can appreciate more what they do. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. I, I think that's very true. Like I, I very much get a lot of like joy and fulfillment from taking like genuine interest in other people. Yeah. Like I think people like oftentimes I don't, I've never had someone be annoyed with me with like asking about them, you know, like oh, if yeah. you're just genuinely interested in what they do and having more like questions that communicate to them that you are actually listening and like want to know more. I've, I've never had someone be annoyed by that. They're always like, that was refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I've had people annoyed at me for, uh, for being obnoxious, but not for asking questions like that. (laughs) No, no, that's, that's exactly right. Same with him. (laughs) No, I, uh, yeah, I, I, especially in high school, I was a real, like, it was a real problem. I was, uh, I was pretty obnoxious, like loud, just That's crazy awesome. kid. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta learn sometimes, right? Like as a teenager, you're always destined to be a little bit, a little bit off the rails. <laughs> yeah. All of our things. Yeah. All, got our- yeah. All right. Another question. Favorite movie. Ooh. Oh. How do you choose one? It's well, tough. Harry Potter. All of them. That counts. I count that. Yeah, Just I, Harry Potter, any of them. They're all great. I'm I'm about to. So I've got a five year old and at a at a point I was kind of like, he's a little too young for these. But now he's like at the point where he's old enough. 
So we're going to yeah. start watching the Harry Potter movies and I'm excited because he wanted to watch Lord of the Rings with me. And I was like, mm, I think I think that one might be a little too much for you. But I think yeah, Harry Potter, think, he can handle. <laughs> yeah, like, I think um, I think the two towers might scare you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Harry Potter has to be mine, too, although there's one movie that stands out to me and it's going to seem like it's not my favorite because I might not even know the title. But it's the one with Liam Neeson on the plane. I think it's called Nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. Where he's like getting framed, right? Yeah. Yeah. So good. I also just love Liam Neeson. Me too. I'm obsessed. I am. I am absolutely obsessed with Liam Neeson. He is. He's he's the best. He genuinely is the best. Like he's so like, you know, he, he can play good cop, bad cop and Lego movie, which is awesome. And then he can go from that role to being the dad and taken. It's like, this dude's just bad. A he's the coolest ever. And then obviously for me, I'm a huge star Wars nerd. So, you know, he's Qui-Gon like, dude, everything is perfect. about the guy, I didn't know he was in star Wars. Yeah. He's Qui-Gon Jinn in the, uh, in phantom menace. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Now, now you just have one more reason to respect him. <laughs> yeah. All right. So good. Final question for you guys. What is your favorite album of 2020? 2020. <sighs> Let's think. Yeah, your phone. I'm trying to think what even like, I don't know. I listen to a lot of music. Yeah, this is actually helpful. Look through your. It's really tough to like remember which ones came out in 2020 and which ones were like earlier. Okay. Um, that's gonna be yours for sure post-human survival horror bring me the horizon oh nice okay so you're still into that type of music i listen to it (laughs) every day bro heck yeah man that's cool yeah because uh like i've grown to appreciate that music a lot more and like like have you listened to uh um this one's a little bit more poppy but uh um boys of fall nope oh man they're like a day to remember you do you you like a day to remember yeah homesick was like the biggest record of my teenage life okay yeah so you'll like you'll like boys of fall they're really really dope i think they're canadian as well so you know you guys can bond (laughs) probably honestly dude canada is small if you think canada is small you're so right like when you said they're (laughs) canadian the first thing i thought of was i either know them or i literally know someone who knows them (laughs) Probably guaranteed, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, another great Canadian band in that world is Silverstein and obviously all their stuff. Like they've been doing a ton oh, yeah. of really rad stuff with dude, quarantine. They put out a great record this year. That re- Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, my gosh. I was a big fan of that. That new album. What was, that, what was that album called? Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't even remember what it was called, but I loved it. It was it blew my mind. I listened to it. Um, I went out for a run. And then I put it on a, be- a beautiful place to drown. This one. Yep. Yeah. Yo. Absolutely. It blew my mind, honestly. Listen I to loved- that thing. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really cool because, you know, they went from they went from like some really heavy stuff. Then they had like a song with um, with uh, Pierre from from simple plan and it was yeah, like simple and it was plan. like they kind of like navigated this whole entire realm and i was like this is so cool because they had the yeah. more electronic stuff but then they had the more heavy stuff and then they had pop stuff uh, and i was like wow this is so dope i loved it yeah no that was a good record thank you for reminding me of that one too that i thought that was a great record oh yeah 
Air was still around. Oh yeah, and and Aaron Intervals. Have you heard of Intervals? Oh yeah, yeah. He was on that record. Aaron Gillespie was on that. Yeah, Aaron Gillespie. I remember that one too. Getting you know under oath drummer and I mean Aaron Gillespie is one of the coolest. Like he's featured in so many songs and every one of them I I love. I'm like, dude, this guy's just so dope. Oh yeah, did did you catch him? He was touring as the main drummer in Paramore for like three years. Oh, for real? Yeah, he did like a a huge festival circuit. Like he was the back. The band hired Gun for Paramore for the last like, three years before they broke before up. Before they went back with under, before they went back with Underworld. Yeah, Dang. that's cool. Yeah. yeah, like he he actually lives in Salt Lake City, so he lives just like forty five minutes from me. Because he oh, yeah. uh, cool. like and my my buddy ran into him. So my buddy Underworld is my buddy's favorite band of all time. He ran into him at the mall, and he was just like he didn't know what to do. So he took a picture. <laughs> obviously, like he met him, and and uh, Aaron Gillespie was just kind of like he's a. He's one of those like super famous, but like super, you wouldn't know him most of the time. Like most people wouldn't recognize this guy. And so he recognized him and he's just like, and he just nerded out. It was so funny to see his post about it because he was just telling this whole story. And I was like, dude, that's amazing. Cause I, I can definitely relate to that whenever I've met people, but it's never been in like this, like in a situation where they're real, like real life humans, right? Like they're usually at a concert and it's like very different to meet them at a show rather than like in everyday life so he was like nerding out big time <laughs> yeah i just remember yeah. when we met we met aaron gillespie at this like festival years and years and years ago and he was playing with uh what was the other band he was in? But the almost. almost they released yeah. a, he released a new album in with the almost this year didn't he i don't know, I don't know. i'm pretty crazy yeah i'm pretty sure the almost released an album this year too huh. i remember it was like pouring rain the entire weekend we were camping and the girl that we were with was like head over heels for Aaron Gillespie, like loved him. And then she went to meet him and like, we're talking like it was like this type of festival where you're covered in mud. Cause it's like, you're camping. <laughs> it was in the States. Actually. It was like Woodstock. It was yeah. Oh, okay. It was so and epic. We, and we went and she saw him and she was like, Oh my gosh, like you're Aaron Gillespie. I love you. And I, didn't he look at her? I think he go, looked at her. Your feet are disgusting. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like your feet. Are disgusting. They're covered in like not, mud to her knees. And it wasn't even like a joke. Like he was actually like, was like he was, he was like, like genuinely kind of disgusted. disgusted. <laughs> yeah, and then just like kind of didn't address it again. And she, and was, she like, was like more. She was like just wrecked. It was the funniest yeah. story ever because she came back and she was like, "He just said this to me." Yeah, just, funny. But oh man. Anyways, um, I would have to say for me, I don't really know, but if I had to pick something, probably just something recent would be like uh, Taylor Swift folklore. Oh, okay. I I like that record. it's different, and I like this. I really love the storytelling in it. That's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I mean, I loved that she had. How do you say his name? Bonivar, Boniver. I don't know how to say it, how to say his name. Yeah, I thought Bonivar. Yeah, however you say his name. I, I really, I've been a big fan of his music for a long time. So I thought it was yeah. really cool that she had him on the album, and and obviously she got a lot of really cool co-write like co-op yeah. yeah. like writers for songs and stuff to make this really very unique album that was very different than everything she's done. So that, it was pretty impressive. That's totally, awesome. and that's not even like the type of music I typically listen to like folky music, but I just really loved the storytelling in it. Like I just love the depth to the stories. Being yeah. a lyricist, that's the number one thing I listen to. So Yeah. So what's like what's the music you typically listen to? <sighs> I I'm a pretty pop girl through and through. Like I guess Taylor Swift's other stuff would be pop, but like I don't know. I I would say pop or like 
old stuff. Like I really also like like the Beatles and stuff like oh, that. Okay, nice. Um, but I I tend to like some of the music Sean listens to. Like the I do like enjoy Bring Me the Horizon stuff like that. But at at like to a certain extent, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like waking up to screaming. That's all. <laughs> which that's awesome. Yeah. So, compromise it's but. funny because like especially with the podcast like i i listen to a wide variety of music yeah. and i've grown to appreciate a lot more music so, like back in high school i did not like like i i liked like um what is that the reinvent i can't remember the name of the song but under oath like the the one song that wasn't like super reinventing hard. your exit yeah you? yeah i loved that song i thought that one was great but like a lot of that music, I didn't ever get into it. I was very big into pop punk. So like Simple Plan, Good Charlotte, yeah. you know, like I was a big pop punk kid. And so Bro. now, though, I'm like, I appreciate a lot more of these bands because I'm listening to them a lot more because of the podcast, which is kind of fun for me to to kind yeah. of broaden those horizons. You know, funny you say that Num- album number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in my most recent is uh Good Charlotte, Young and Hopeless. Nice, dude. <laughs> it was. We saw Good Charlotte like two years ago, and it was oh, the man. best throwback ever because I love, I love like listening to Simple Plan, Good Charlotte, growing up too, and so like it was the best. Hearing yeah. that, like hearing that band live, like now, like dude, they are still incredible. Oh they've yeah, got, phenomenal. They've got, they've got hits, man. Like they're never gonna die. That music is always so. just like and. And even though, even though like I don't relate to the lyrics anymore, I still, I, every time I listen to it, I just can't, I can't help but just like sing along and blare it and just enjoy the heck out of it because oh, yeah. uh, like, was it, was it two years ago? It must've been two years ago. Cause uh, they came here to Utah to park city during the Olympics. Cause like Utah where we've had the Olympics here before they do a lot of like celebrations and stuff during winter I- Olympics. And uh, and so they got good Charlotte to come and perform for an hour. And wow, it was freaking cold. It was free, which was awesome. So my brother in law drive my brother in law and I drive to Park City and uh, we're standing out there and like I thought it was going to be like indoors. So I didn't dress appropriate. I, w- I brought a windbreaker and I wore my Vans shoes. My feet were like it felt like I was walking on stumps by the end of the night because they were so oh, cold. Bet. It was so bad. It was amazing, though. <laughs> I just remember, like, when we saw them, um, there was an opening band called Movements. Oh, yeah. oh they're phenomenal. Played. So, good. so, like, they were on the cycle of that first record they did. Mm-hmm. So, like, seeing that was because that was the first time I'd ever heard them. I didn't hear their record. I just saw them play it. And I was like, this band is so good. Yeah. I, I was captivated by them for sure. And then I remember Good Charlotte. No epic intro, nothing. House lights on. They all just walked out on the stage with red solo cups. And we're like, hey, guys, we're uh, Good Charlotte. And then, went <laughs> right into, and then went right into the anthem. It was yeah. so awesome. It was like not this big showy thing right out the gate. It was just like, hey, bang, number yeah. one. And, they, and it just like the energy in the room like instantly changes. Like, they, Oh, yeah. Like, Everyone's kind of confused. They're like, wait, I know this is good Charlotte, but are they actually coming? Because usually, you know, you're getting the the guys who are like the the um, the gear guys who are coming out, getting everything tuned, getting it all set up, making sure everything's ready yeah. to go. But no, they just walk out. No, no introduction really at all. And they just, what's up? No. And then they start playing. I was like, yeah. this is so cool. 
<laughs> I know that was like, I thought that was the coolest thing, man. It really is. Oh man. Yeah, dude. I, uh, that's funny. Those, those are some of like the best man, like those, those times like that. But, uh, thank you guys so much for, for joining me, man. It was, it was really cool getting to, to hear you guys' story. And then obviously, you know, I really commend you for, for the energy you're putting out there, you know, just like the amount of effort that you're putting into trying to help. Um, you know, I've got, I've got family members who are in the education system and, and, you know, younger and younger kids are struggling younger and younger nowadays. And yeah. especially with COVID and things going on, like there's just a lot of need for, for really, you know, good positive messages. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing and, and honestly, phenomenal talent. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. So, uh, so keep on killing it. Thank you. Really Thank you so much, man. That. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Talking. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And thank you so much for checking out another episode of the podcast. Like I said, I had a ton of fun talking with Sean and Carly, and I really hope that you guys take the time to go over and check out their social media, check out them as, as people and try and support them because they're doing really cool things. And, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, if you've got some friends or family who might enjoy it, be sure to hit, hit that share button, share it on all, all, all the social medias that you can think of. And uh, it'd be greatly appreciated. But until next time, deuces.